Father in heaven, we thank you, we bless you, and we praise you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives today. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, keeping us, helping us, saving us, making us secure in this life. Thank you for healing us, making us whole. Thank you, Lord, for restitution. Everything that's been stolen from us is restored. So we honor you today, Lord. We love you for that and so much more. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. We're going to continue what we were doing last Sunday. Uh, and we were talking about the point of contact for the release of your faith. And um, it's real important for us to understand that it's God's job to perfect our faith. We we are on a journey of faith. And, and you know, one of the things that I've found um, where I think I have, I've stumbled over this, and, and I think many Christians do, um, they feel like when they when you talk about faith, it's like we're, we're on trial, you know, and, 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 but because there's some scriptures that might lead you to think that way, we talk about the testing of our faith and the trying of our faith and, and, um, all of that. But, but we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper more than just help. He, um, teaches, he leads us and guides us. He's much more than somebody that, you know, however you define help. Um, many times we think help comes only when you can't do anything. You know, like if that's the way we live. I mean, nobody likes to be around a person who's weak and dependent, you know, because you always, it gets to be too heavy for you. Well, that's humanly speaking. But when we talk about God, God understands how hard it is for us. I mean, seriously, like David said, you know, Lord, you know we're just dust. You know, you know my frame. You know I'm just dust. And that's not an excuse for doing wrong and, and uh, you know, your get-out-of-jail-free card. But that is a truth. It's just true. Amen. Um, that we are uh, human beings. We're frail. We, we When God finds us, we're in darkness. And he's shedding light on us a little bit at a time. How many of you have been in a, a room where you've been real, real dead asleep and somebody flips the light on all of a sudden? And it's like you keep your eyes shut for at least a few minutes. You just can't open them wide like that. And that's that's how we are when we first come into a knowledge of the Lord. He can't shed all the light that we need to walk this walk perfectly. Amen. You get a spotlight on the, the area you need to go to next and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one. And, and that's really how it goes. And so, and, and because of that, we need help to teach us, direct us, guide us. Where do I step next? God, enlighten me. Show me. Uh, open that door for me. Show me the next step. And so, um, when we think about that, you, you gotta understand that God is not telling you to believe Him for great things and then stand over you and spank you because you didn't get it right or you made a wrong step that's not the relationship we have with him amen we're we're his children you know he 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 wants us to imitate him 
but it's just like your small children. When they're small, if they don't get it right the first time, you don't whack them and punish them. You know, you, your patience is being tested too. As long as, as well as theirs with, with, you know, how well they, they do. You know, um, I was looking at, uh, I, I kind of watched some things just to see, you know, like it was a couple of, a couple of, uh, uh, people, or not people, I, I saw a couple of issues that were being addressed in the month of April. One of them was autism and the other one was Down syndrome. And I watched the, the parents of children who have disabilities and I noticed how loving, patient, and kind they are, you know, because you, your heart goes out to a disabled child. Well, I said that if you've got a normal, quote-unquote, normal child, your heart should go out the same way. You, you, you know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes because we expect more as human beings from one another, we project that onto God. See, we think God's getting tired of us because we had to ask again. Or he's sick of helping us because here we are again messing up like we did the last time. That's not, that's 100% not true. 100% not true. The Bible says he is long suffering. Long. (laughs) Another, another syllables. You know, he's, you don't, you can't wear him out. Amen. Because he's God. And he doesn't create anything, children, anybody who's, who's bigger and, and tougher than he is. And so he knows how to walk with us through these things. He knows how to help us get to where he wants us to get to where we are supposed to be. And it's his job to help us get there. It's his job to decide our destination. He decides your your life. Your, your life doesn't belong to you anymore. Some of us realize that when we went about trying to do the same old, same old, and a door got slammed in our nose. We wondered how was how how is this all of a sudden not right and it used to be fine. Well, it's because God owns you now. Own, O-W-N, he owns you. You've never been your own. Because before God owned you, the devil did. We just thought we owned ourselves. Deceived. <laughs> Amen. That's his game. But see, God brings us in the truth. He, he lets us know, now that you, you're in my kingdom, now that you're adopted by me, I have plans for you. You may not, you may not even have an inkling of what the plan is. But God has plans for us, for all of us. And it includes putting him first in all things. Amen? It's, uh, it's amazing sometimes the, the ways that we, we see life and then look at what God sees and it's totally, totally different. Amen? You know, when I was younger, I thought, oh, you grow up, you go to college, you learn something and have a job. That was, you know, that was the extent of what I thought. I never thought I'd be a preacher. In fact, I know anything about God. You know, you go to church, you pay attention, you pick up little things here and there, but you don't see yourself. I never would have thought this would be my life. You got me? But it is. And it's a good life for me. But I didn't know that until everything else I had planned failed, you know, miserably. And so, and I say that to say there are many surprises when you get saved. Many surprises. You have no clue what the deal is. I was thinking about Henry Groover when I talk, think about people who are, 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 
owned by God. He was, uh, he's kind of a funny guy. He talks about, uh, when he was a young man, he was brought up in, in a church, a denominational situation. His dad was what they call, they call in their denomination a church planter. And the church denomination would, would, uh, you know, take care of him until he give him an area to go to and he would pray and start a church. And when the church started flourishing, he would leave and give it to another Another pastor, they'd assign somebody. That's how their denomination expands. You know, they keep growing that way. And Henry was saying he observed so many things from, because church was their life. Every, every time his dad said, let's have a meeting, the whole family had to show up there. And you know how kids are. Some of them don't like it. Most don't like it. And, uh, Henry said he, he figured out some things that he wanted in his life. And certain things he didn't want. And he asked the Lord, he said, well, God, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but first I want to do this. So he made a deal with God. You know, God said, man, you got a lot of nerve. <laughs> and God accommodated him. He said, I like, he said, I like, uh, engineering. He said, I want to do engineering and I want to do, uh, what else did he said he wanted to do? Uh, but anyway, he said he had received a prophecy, and this is this is one thing that that kind of stunned me, and and I think it reflects on his relationship with God. Even though he was a church kid, he still loved the Lord, and he still had enough understanding of relationship with God to be able to just form his own relationship with the Lord. But he had received a prophecy when he was a teenager that he was going to serve God full time. He said, you're going to have a lot of kids and you're going to be a full time minister. And he looked at the man and ran out door. He said, I'm not going to do any of that stuff because I'm going to be an engineer and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But he fell in love with with street witnessing. And walking the streets and telling the people about God. So much so, he developed a relationship with God where he was fearless. He could go in any neighborhood, anywhere, get anybody saved. But his deal with God was this. He said, God, if you will let me, if you will let me do what I want to do, at least for a few years, when it's time for me to minister full time, just let me know and I'll quit everything and serve you. Now, how's that for nerve? But see, if you have relationship, and I tell you that to say this, many people ignore what God tells them and go do what they want to do anyway and suffer miserably. You understand what I'm saying? They can't make ends meet. They can't, they're never happy. And all it took was the one conversation. To make a deal with God. And see, we think God won't deal with us because we want this so badly, we're sure he's not going to give it to us. So we strike out on our own trying to do things. And, and many times we live under this false idea of who God is. Because see, if you have a right idea of who God is, you can do what Henry did. God, I know I'm called to preach. I know what you want me to do, but I want to do this first. And if it's okay... Let me do this for a season, but when it's my time, just pull me out of it and I'll come. See, many of us don't get to know God well enough to know how merciful he is 
And if there's something in our hearts that we're longing to do, God can accommodate that as well. You got me? And so he knew that. And and for the first, I think he said the first 15 or 20 years of his adulthood, he was married. Uh, he and his wife, they were Christians. They served God. He went, he took many, many opportunities to, to minister. He said they would go to, they lived near the, the water and they would go to the, uh, shipyards and the, uh, captains of the ships would allow them to come on and pass out Bibles. And he was a good soul winner. Excellent soul winner. And so he did that for a season and right before he was going to be made vice president of his company with a million dollar salary, God called him into full time ministry. And he left it all. He kept his word to God. Amen. And so when he did that and, and from that point on, the ministry he had was something that I would call it the hardest ministry of anybody. He walked the earth, taking back land for God, breaking curses over different areas and different cities, tearing down altars where witches would make human sacrifices. He was totally fearless in what he did for God. And so sometimes it's good to develop some kind of relationship with God. Be honest with God. Let him know what you want. Let him know what's in your heart. Let him know. And he can accommodate you because many times he put those things in your heart. It's just that he wants to govern over it so he could be successful. Henry was very successful. He and his wife had 13 children. Half of them they had at home. He delivered them. He said, now actually, Mama delivered them. I just caught them. You know, I mean, he's just a really good sense of humor about things. He still loved the Lord. He'd been challenged with his health many times. He stood on the word. Um, all of those things came out of a right understanding of who God is. And God is not standing over us, telling us to live by faith and then ready to beat us up if we don't get it right. And see, what happens many times is people get so paralyzed with fear, they never step out in faith. Because they're afraid if they make one bad move or one error, God's just going to leave them out there. Well, he'd rather see you step out with whatever faith you have and see what happens than to just sit there and do nothing because you're scared that if you make a bad move. See, that's not our God. He's not standing over us with a uh, a chalkboard checking us off and giving us an F for the day and then we got to do makeup work you know he's not like that we've got to get a right perspective of his great love for us if he let his son take a beating and hanging on a tree for us we can't shortchange him on love right now and the condition we're in now we're much better able now to serve him than we ever were in our lives so we've got to get a right understanding of who God is and a right understanding of how he wants to help us and so last week we started out I just threw that out there to get you to understand that the, the God that you serve is long-suffering he loves you with an everlasting love that never quits helping you. He is here to help you in your faith. He's not here to, to stand up and watch you make mistakes and then you're ashamed to come to him because you messed up. 
that's not who he is. So don't be afraid to, to test your faith and step out and try some things and, and pray about it, though, before you get involved. Don't just go run off. But know that God is with you. If you're in the Word and He put things in your heart and, and it just seems like this is something that, that He's speaking to you, so forth, then follow up on that. Keep that before your eyes. Let God you know, put you on that little bunny trail and to follow it up until you see where it leads to. If it doesn't lead to any place special, then then just don't feel bad about it. Say, God, well, I missed it. Let me put me back on the right road. Amen. Just like if you're driving your car, if the GPS takes you off somewhere you're not supposed to be, you find somebody on the street, bang your horn, say, hey, where's so-and-so street? You understand me? But but you you want to get back on the right road. And, and, and that's what faith is. The life of faith is keeping us on the road that God has prepared for us. Amen. Just let him prepare that road for you. And travel on that road and don't get off. If you run off or you run out of gas, cry out to him and say, God, I'd have missed it some kind of way. If I didn't miss it, but show me how this is right because it ain't looking right. You may get me on the raw right road here. But God is your friend. He's your father and he's your friend. He loves you. He's all powerful. But he does have a plan for your life. He owns us and we've got to understand that. Uh, you can't you can't go anywhere you want to go. Can't do anything you want to do. You've got to stay faithful to God. He's got to find faithful people down here, folks, so that he can get his will done in the earth. So praise God. So anyway, we talked about Abraham's point of contact to release his faith in God. He had several of them. I think we numbered them up to, to seven. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and, and, and so, I'll I'll go over them. I think I underlined them here. Yeesh. First, the first thing he did when he left the land that he he went from, the Lord told him every place that he went, no, go to a land where I will show you and I'll give it to you. And he said also that he would give him his descendants would be as the the dust of the earth for number. So, point of contact one to remind him. And to walk by faith and remind him that God still had a promise for him is that his children would number as the dust of the earth. Amen. So every time he looked down at the sand or looked down at the earth, he could remember that God promised him children. Amen. So that was point of contact number one. Uh, in the next ep- uh, chapter, God began to speak to him again about his offspring. And he said they would be as numerable as the stars of the sky. So looking down, looking up, two points of contact. So you can say that Abraham was obsessed with that promise from God. Because how could he not keep it on his mind all the time? Every time he looked down, he thought about his children. Every time he looked up, he thought about them. So God did it that way to burn that into his brain. Amen. So that he would not forget and walk away from the promises of God. Um, the other point of contact was the uh, shed blood of the animals that God had Abraham gather for him so that he could cut co- covenant with him. And this blood covenant was a knowing covenant. Even after he told Abram, 
Look at the stars. That's how many children you're going to have. Look at the sand. That's how many you're going to have. Abraham still was bugged about it. Unbelief was gripping him. Amen. Now you and me ain't that cool either. You know, we said, Abraham, oh yeah, God, you know, he looked up, he looked down, God told him, look up, them your kids, look down, them your kids. But he still came to a point where he, the, he looked around, no kids, and the only one that was, he could leave his property to was somebody he wasn't related to. And he asked God, he said, you keep telling me I'm gonna have all these kids. I've been looking up and looking down, and I'm still not convinced. He said, how will I know? How will you know? Do you need a confirmation of what God's going to do in your life? The Bible says an oath of confirmation is the end of all conflict in your brain, striving against God's word, unbelief, thinking it's too big a deal. God will never do that. That's too great. That's too wonderful. It's too, too, too. It, it, uh, the blood settles that it's too much thought. It settles the impossibility of it, I guess I should say. So, so God had Abraham grab these animals, slay them, and God walked through the pieces. He put Abraham to sleep, and he walked through the pieces. So if Abraham wasn't awake and didn't see it, how does he know? See that knowing moves your faith from natural to spiritual. See Abraham's looking at stars. That's natural. See that's natural. Sand and, and stars are natural things. Then he looks in the natural at his household. He didn't have any children yet. This servant of his is going to get all of his goods if God don't come through with something. So what God does is something that settles Abraham's spirit so he gets his eyes off the natural. And that blood does it every time. That's how you realize you were saved even though you kept sinning after you had confessed Christ. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. I'm going to drink me some. I'll say it myself. Praise God for the blood. See, when we first get saved, what do we think? When you think salvation, you think about don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Oops, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that. Huh? And that's how we live for you lived in condemnation, you lived in guilt, you lived in fear. And then one day you just made up your mind, you know what, I'm sick of living like this. God, you're going to have to show me something. And then one day it just gets settled. Out of nowhere you just don't feel bad like you used to do anymore when you make mistakes. How'd that happen? The blood came in and spoke to you. And it spoke to your spirit. Once your spirit catches on to something, it's in there. It's like prego. It's in there. Everything you need is in there already. Amen? So once your your spirit is, is activated in this process, 
what happens in the natural means nothing. It's not on devil. You know who it is. You know he's messing with you. All of a sudden you get real clear on things, don't you? And you're convinced you're saved. That's why you're not so eager to throw it away like some people you know. Amen. You see people come and go in church all the time and you come back after. You come back time and time again. What do you think is keeping you there? Your spirit man knows he's saved. So stop hanging around with them people who are casual about God. I'm serious. You have no fellowship with them. Not once the blood has convinced you that you, you're 100% saved. You know where you belong when church is, is the, when the service time comes. Your spirit wants to be there. You can't help it if your friends haven't caught on yet. Amen? So you keep following God. And you make mistakes and you do things wrong. You go and feel bad for a while. And then God picks you up and tells you, now listen, don't, no, we ain't playing this game no more. You gonna get up, man up and woman up and ask me to forgive you and, and we gonna walk on and be friends again. But we're not playing this game. Why? Cause you don't, you're not a natural person anymore. You are born of the Spirit of God and you know it. Just like Abraham had a knowing. You got, we have to have a knowing about everything that we get from God. So you come to a place where your body starts to exhibit symptoms. You gotta have a knowing again about your healing. You have to have a knowing, a point of knowing about everything in this covenant with God. And you gotta park yourself on a scripture long enough for the blood to begin to let you know that that thing is for you and it's real and it won't move. It's not, it's not some temporary knowledge that you have. See, that's the blood, the oath. It's a swearing. God swears I'm gonna do this. Before it's just a promise. And you believe it like you do a promise from anybody else. Until you got to get to where you gotta know. You get sick of playing around with your own crazy head. You say, God, I've been looking at this scripture forever and it ain't sinking in. Cause I think I'm healed one minute and next minute I'm healing myself, looking around for stuff. I threw them pills away and I'm in the bottom of the garbage can looking for them. You know, throwing the pills away don't heal you. Huh? Come on now. So God has to move everybody out of the natural realm over into the realm of the spirit. And only the blood does that. The nation of Israel fumbled around with a, an excellent covenant with God, provided everything. All they had to do was obey, and they forgot to obey. And when they forgot to obey, they really tied one on. Amen? They went from one bad thing to the next bad thing to sacrificing their children. I mean, they went totally off. They needed a blood that would give them a knowing. The blood of bulls and goats never gave them a knowing. It's just the blood of Jesus gives you a knowing where you know. Amen. You know, you'll find people who are in bars somewhere and they'll say they saved. Don't ever try to talk nobody out of their salvation, folks, based on their behavior. Leave them people alone. 
And you should be able to get a witness in your spirit when somebody says that, that they really are saved. If you saved. Sometimes people are more saved in their head than they are in their hearts. We all working on it. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? But with that blood comes a knowing. A shed blood brings a knowing. Knowing in your spirit who you are. Knowing in your spirit that you're changed. Knowing in your spirit that you're born again. That's where the transfer needs. You need to know it in your spirit. And from there, your spirit can can get stronger and stronger in the word. And pretty soon, all them natural habits just fall off. Same thing about your health. Symptoms fall off. After you get that knowing in you that I know I'm healed. Because you're convinced that the word of God is true. And when Jesus suffered and died for you, your healing was paid for, and you finally know it. And it's after that point that symptoms will start to leave you. But you've got to get that in you to the point of knowing. And the blood can do that. That's why we plead the blood. That's why we thank God for the blood. That's why we we repent and ask God. You you get the blood to wash you clean so that you'll begin to think clearly. You start thinking like God. You start feeling good about yourself again. See, that's what we need. We need that knowing at all times. And the blood is what convinces us of that. Nothing else but that will do. Amen? Jesus did not die in vain. He had to shed his blood so that we would get that knowing. Other than that, we don't know if we're going to go to heaven. We're hoping. You ever see people like that? I think so. I hope so. Those people need to hear the gospel. They need to get that knowing in them so that they know that they know that they know. So anyway, that was point of contact number three for Abraham was the shed blood of those animals. And and God walked through the pieces. God walked through the pieces. Amen. Now, why didn't Abraham walk through the pieces? It would have weakened the covenant. Man's covenants only go as far as man is able to do something. You know, people have man-to-man covenants were very common. They still are. In certain cultures, you'll find people that want to, you know, uh, Mix what they call blood brothers, mix their blood with one another and swear that I won't hurt you. I won't hurt your children. My children and your children will be friends for many generations. You know, if you you go broke, you can come live on my land. I'll take care of you, all that. It's a treaty. It's a it's a way for them to make themselves secure in life. And it's the same thing with us and God. The covenant we have with God makes us secure in life. It doesn't make us less secure. It makes us more secure. Amen? When Israel left Egypt, they put the blood over the doorpost, over the top, and on the sides. The lentils are the sides portions. They did not put blood on the floor of that door. Why not? Because that would have made it a man's covenant. They'd have not got out of it. See, when man walks through blood, that makes him responsible to carry out the strength of the covenant. Makes it weak. There are many cultures now where they put blood on the doorpost of their door so that people can walk through it. And they know when you walk in this house, we are responsible for your safety. You won't be harmed when you come in here. 
Amen? Why? Because they don't know God. And so we have a blood covenant based on God walking through because the strength of the covenant is in the one who passes through those pieces. They have to uphold it. So that's why Abraham was asleep. He's not responsible to do the heavy lifting. God walked through it so that he's totally responsible for it. And so when God's responsible for something, he'll take care of you. He'll take care of your kids. He'll take care of everybody you love and all your neighbors. Because he's upholding it with his strength. He's not depending on your strength and your Bible knowledge and your wonderful confession to get you nothing. He's depending on him to give you the strength to do what you're responsible to do. So God manages all of this when we come to him. So that blood aspect of it is extremely important, folks, as to who's responsible to carry it out. When God's son shed his blood, that made him totally responsible to carry. He comes back to life to live in us, to help us. You couldn't have a better covenant. You couldn't have more help than we have now. And we miss a lot of the good things God wants to do because we're trying to help ourselves. And trying to con God into thinking we read our Bible more than we did. Or we prayed more than we did. Or we worship more than we did. Amen. So we need to quit the con job. And just rest in what he. God I have no clue what my next move is. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing here. And I'm depending on you to tell me. To move me. To energize me. I'm going to sit here and praise you and worship you. Because I want to stay in contact with you. And you tell me the next move. And he gives us his faith to use. He don't want your faith involved in this. The last time most of us involved our own faith in something, when it fell apart, we went and stayed in the corner and cried for about three months. Oh, Lord, I thought that was you. I don't know what happened. It takes you about four months to recover from your personal responsibility mistakes. God, if you get me out of this this time, I swear I go do that. Huh? Back doing it again. And he knew it. So that's why we can say he is my strength. He is the one who energizes me. He helps me. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not trying to think with my little brain anymore. I have a big brain. Amen. Jesus gave it to me. And so we, we, we must understand these points of contact are very important. They bring us back into remembrance that God is in charge. God is in control. God is going to do this. This is God's covenant. This is all I have to do is listen to him and obey him. Wait for him to give me a leading. Wait for him to open a door for me. Wait for him to give me an idea. Amen. And put the responsibility on God for getting us to where we're supposed to be. Amen. And that doesn't make you totally lazy and you don't do anything, but you want to make the right steps. You, you want to let your, your efforts count and not count against you. And so that's why it's good to wait on the leading of the Lord. Go read your word while you wait. Don't sit up and just watch something and think he's going to drop an idea on you. 
Be in a position of seeking him. Stay open to what he would tell you. Allow him to speak to you. Amen. He speaks out of his word. And so get yourself over in the Word so you can fill yourself up with the knowledge of God. And so his point of contact, third point of contact, we said was the shedding of blood. The next point of contact, uh, Genesis 17, 1, God changed his name. He says, I will make you now the father of many nations. Name changes everything. Amen. But what, what that means is that every time he calls his name now, he speaks to him differently. The name change is always an increase, acceleration, promotion, upgrade. So the name change is an upgrade. Amen. When, when you got born again, you, you can't call yourself a sinner anymore. You're a saint. Amen. So that word saint brings an upgrade to it. That means somebody who's sanctified by God, holy by God, so that holiness makes you capable of doing more and better. Amen? So that's a total upgrade in your life. Holiness means you make fewer mistakes. Amen? You're going to make some because everybody gets in the flesh sometimes. Or you get into uh, ignorance. You don't know what to do. You can make a mistake that way, doing the best you can. But God changes our names to give us his identity. Now we're stamped with him. We belong to him. Abraham's name was changed to, and and that always was uh, the, the way they spoke of God, Abraham. They whispered God's name. It was so holy and so reverential. And so Abraham then became God's man, consecrated, set apart to God, and exalted. It means exalted father of many nations, as many as God would give him. And so that was another point of contact for Abraham to remember his covenant with God and remember God's promise. He would give him many, many children. Where it needed to be defined is where Abraham and Sarah thought he was going to have a child by anybody. And she had been barren all of those years and unable to bear children. He has a a child with her maid and they find out many years later that wasn't God's plan. How many people quit? Because they make a mistake and God find out what they've done isn't God's plan. And they go around being ashamed forever. Amen. Well, the blood will take away that shame. Amen. Amen. The blood gives them a knowing of who they really are. See, you know, a lot of times I think what, what, you know, if you've got, say for instance, you've got children that's messed up, left the church, you can't even hear from them, they don't want to be seen no more, blah, 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 blah. Keep reminding God, God, I plead your son's blood over my child's mind. Wash it clean. Let them know who they give them their new identity. Let them know who they are. Let them know that they're okay with you. Bring them to the point where they can repent. Amen. And know that they're clean again and come back home to the house of God. Amen. See, it's that blood knowing that needs to be applied. They've had a name change. They're not little sinners running around anymore and and trying to make their own way in life. Ishmael is not their identity. Amen. They're Isaacs. 
Amen. Lord, let my, my child know his name is Isaac now. He's a preferred son. He's the heir. He belongs here. Let him have that knowing. Amen. And, and begin to let these things work for you. Begin to let these tools, I guess we could call them, work for you. But that name change meant a lot of things to Abraham. Because God began to tell Abraham, you know, walk before me and be mature. You don't have to keep making mistakes where I got to come and correct you now. And there comes a point in our lives as Christians where we get sick of making mistakes. And we want to start walking more perfectly before God. Amen. I mean, if you really have a relationship with God, you you got to have relation. You can't just want to be getting by. Cutting corners, you know, as long as I got a job and, and, and I can get out, got get my bills paid. You know, we're talking about beyond that. That's where heathen live. You're not a heathen anymore. Amen. Get your head out of the stupidity and start acting like an heir. Start acting like God has money saved up for you in heaven. Start acting like you can make a withdrawal anytime you need something from heaven. Start acting like that. Yeah, every time something comes up trying to figure out how you're going to get it, quit that. That's not what heirs do. You know what you have because you know God. You know, quit quit trying to make your own way in life and start getting to know your father. Well, I didn't have no real daddy. I don't care about that. You don't need a real one. You're supposed to divorce them natural parents anyway and get your real inheritance. Not that you don't honor them and love them. You understand what I'm saying? But this is not about what you're missing. This is about what you have. Amen? And we have a God. We have a Father. We have somebody who loves us and adopted us and wants us. So Abraham's name change. That's another thing he can... And see, points of contact are things you reflect on to build your faith. Amen? We all need them. You begin to reflect on what God's doing for you, what he's done for you, where you've been in God, the changes he's made. God, you didn't have, you didn't change me and make me over for nothing. Not, there's a purpose to me being here. And I want to know what that is and I want to walk in it every day. I'm your servant every day. Amen. Now, if you just want to be a queen and sit on a throne, this life ain't for you. You understand what I'm saying? You get to the throne room when you want to pray for somebody. That's about as much throne as you're going to get in this life. Come on, y'all. Let's get, let's get out of Disneyland. You leave that stuff alone. Alone. Amen. So the name change. So we've got about four points of contact here. We get, he got a name changed. Then there's the last one I see here was a circumcision. Amen. God brings him aside and tells him, and when he tells him this time next year, you're going to have a son with your wife, Sarah. This brings a whole new meaning to living for him. Now he's a consecrated man with one wife. Amen. He's not going to have children by these servants and like the heathen do. This first sets him apart from the people that live around them. Amen. The way he wants us to, to do us. But we're set apart by the spirit. We're not set apart by thumbing our nose at people or thinking we're better than people. You don't set you apart. He sets you apart. Amen. So God sets us apart. 
so that we can live for him. And it's a thing that's really done in your heart. It's not necessarily done uh, in the natural. God's not into the natural. He's into the supernatural. So you are set apart in your heart from the heathen, from the people that just want to live in the natural, for the people that want to live any kind of way. God has set you apart for his use and his use alone. And so Abraham then becomes uh, God's set-apart man. He's got a lot of what Abraham, God is doing with Abraham is teaching him his way. You're going to have regular contact with me through these uh, offerings and sacrifice. He set up an altar. That was the other thing. I'm sorry. Thank you, Lord. That We had seven points of contact. That altar that he built where he offered sacrifices to the Lord. That was one of the first things that he did. So that would have been number three on the list. Abram set up that altar where he committed himself to God. I'm going to meet with you and you alone. I don't want these other gods. I'm leaving the ones behind that I used to worship when I was in my father's house and over in that land. So I'm committed to you now. Born again. That's what we call it. Amen. So once you get born again, your heart becomes the altar of God. That's where you meet him. He sets you apart so that that you can, he can have number one point in your life. Amen. So we have these seven points of contact for God with Abraham. And that's where Abraham, that's how Abraham can get to where we get jealous of him when we read this. Turn to Romans chapter 4. I don't know about you, but that's my where I get jealous of Abraham at. Because I can't figure it out. Amen. It says here in verse 16, I think. Therefore, it is a faith. That's what God's been building in Abraham. He's been building faith in God. Not in yourself, but in God. Not in things, but in God. Not in other people, but in God. He said, therefore, it's a faith that it might be by grace. In other words, not by works. You can't take credit for this. God doesn't want you doing this. He doesn't want you to have anything to do with it, because you can't do it. To the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So this is the faith that you get by inheritance. You get Abraham's faith. And that faith is if you follow Abraham's descendants all the way down the line to the end, where does that end? Who is his last descendant? Jesus. Come on, folks. Jesus Christ. You got it? So the Abraham faith now is translated to the faith of the Son of God. That's what we have. That's our real inheritance. Because it's a spiritual only faith. 100% spiritual faith. Why do we need Abraham in the picture? Because we can see what Abraham did as a human being with that level of faith that he had. Amen? So you can do everything Abraham did. You can receive everything he had. You can, your faith can do everything his did and more. Why? Because now it's totally supernatural. Now it's flawless. 
Now we don't have to make the mistakes Abraham did. Why? Because we have the the faith of his final son, who is Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what it did. He when he talks about all your 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 descendants being the stars of the skies, he will we're, he's not talking about his natural kids. Because they die off and come back. You you wouldn't know who Israel is in this day and age. So that was cut off. And now we're talking about the people who are born again of the Spirit of God. We are Abraham's descendants. Everybody who names Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. And we go on forever. See, as soon as you go out and tell somebody about Christ and they receive him, Abraham's got another descendant. And he's looking at the stars and saying, man, God, there's another one. Amen. And so that's how this, this, this promise gets fulfilled in him. It's an eternal reproduction. He has eternal seed re- reproducing over and over and over again. And that's what God was, was getting to with him. And he says, Abraham, who is the father of us all, both the Jew and the Gentile, who claims Christ, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, before him who believed, even God, who quickens or makes alive the dead by calling those things that be not as though they were. How does God make dead things alive? He calls the ones that are not as though they are. Your, 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 your body that's racked with symptoms and they tell you you got a disease, you begin to do what what God did. He calls things that be not as though they are. He did it with Abraham. It worked back but before they had a covenant. Why? Because it's of the perfect faith of God. See when you use God's word, that's perfect faith. There's not there's nothing wrong with your faith confession when you confess God's word. Nothing wrong with it. Only thing that's wrong is that you don't halfway believe it yet. But keep saying it. You'll get there. Keep meditating on it. It'll be more real to you. Stay with that word because it comes to life. You start calling yourself healed. Call yourself healed though you're, you're not that yet in the natural realm. You call it as though it is. I'm healed. I'm healed now. I'm healed now. By Jesus Christ's stripes, I am healed right now. I'm healed. I'm calling it. It's not yet, but in the natural, but I'm calling it like it is. Why do we do that? You have to work with God's faith. That's how his faith works. It doesn't work based on what's in the natural. That's the devil's realm. So the devil works in the natural realm. We work in the realm of the spirit. So God begins to draw us into his world. Every time he gave Abraham a point of contact, he drew Abraham into his world and drew him out of the natural realm. Even though your blessings come back in the natural, they don't originate there. I must say it again. Even though they manifest in the natural, they don't originate there. Amen? The origin is heaven in the realm of glory. God can call you, call a car into your garage today if you want one. You just gotta be believing. The reason he never does that for people, let me tell you why, is they would have to put you in a straight jacket and go admit you somewhere until, till you recovered from that shock. 
I'm going to say that again. Because you know what? People people want really fantastic things from God sometimes. You know, if God did most of that stuff, it would put us into such shock we wouldn't. You know, you hear sometimes you hear uh, people who are honest Christians. God told me five years ago that woman was my wife. And I said, no, that ain't. I don't want her. I'm waiting Married somebody else in that, and there she was still right there again. You th- be thankful God let her marry you. You understand what I'm saying? Because she could have picked up, married somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? People are in such unbelief most of the time. Why? Because they don't have relationship enough with God. God gives you promises so you can develop relationships so those promises can come to pass. So instead of telling God that that wasn't your wife, why didn't you say, well, God, help me to believe you? When you fall into unbelief like that, you ask God to help you to believe him. You got me? You're going to have things that come into your life that are going to be totally unbelievable, especially at the level of faith where you at that point. Look at Abram. He was totally unbelieving in many things of God for a long time. He didn't know how to honor his wife. That's why he said when we get like, you know, like, like, like you ask her to a party. You know, you ever had a, a friend who, well, I did not know girls who did this, but you know, you had a, a friend who was a boy and you just want to escort to them. Now when we get in there, you split up, you go over there, I go over here because I'm going to find me somebody. You understand? That's the way he treated her. We get down here in Egypt, we splitting up. You my sister. I'm your brother. Because if these men find out that you my wife, they'll kill me and take you. So this is how I'm going to stay, this is how I'm going to survive. See, that's how men treated women back. They didn't know any better. Everybody did it. You did it to survive. Amen? When God be told Abraham, I am your shield. You ever wonder why that idea came into God's mind to tell Abraham that? Huh? Well, they took the wife off the hook. She was his shield before then. You got me? Straighten up, brother. I'm taking care of you. If you that scared, I, you better rely on me because you ain't going to live long throwing your wife out there because I'm going to have to kill a lot of men to keep her alive. See, this will be better for everybody if you just let me do this. Everything God gave Abraham was for a reason. Amen. We don't read all the fine print, but you can figure it out. <laughs> hmm? No more pimp your wife. You got me? Cut that out. You want, I'm gonna honor her. She ain't nobody's wife but yours. And God kept her. He made every man in that whole kingdom impotent as long as Sarah was in the harem. Talk about a sign. If you can't figure that one out, you're real slow. Got me? It's true. Read your Bible. 
Then all of a sudden, the king figured it out. He called Abram. What have you, what have you done to me? He called Sarah and said, who are you? Tell me something about who you She said, well, we serve this God. And yeah, yeah, my husband, he's, he's done me. He's really his sister. He said, get your husband in here. Huh? Sometimes sinners smarter than we are. We so busy trying to be spiritual and outsmart God. Huh? It's the truth. <laughs> As we pray in a little bit of tongues and, you know, worship a little bit, we think we got to go into one. So anyway, it says, he, God quickens the dead by calling things that be not as though they are. You'll quicken your finances by telling your bank account to grow. We're rich bank account. God says so. You better grow. And you do your part. Don't Wait till you get something in there and go spend it real quick. You know, some people, you look in their front seat and they got more, uh, what's some little statements out of the ATM? Like that money gonna grow by itself all of a sudden. You're gonna put, you're gonna ask for a, a balance and it's gonna increase and you ain't done nothing to make it grow. Amen? Like it's magic. I'm chat, I'm working on my faith. No, you ain't. You better go with your work a job. You want some more money. Faith, nothing. Go get you a job if that's where you're living. And he said he calls those things that be not as though they are, who against hope. Ooh, we hate that word. The natural has run out. You're out of options. You've got to believe God. Cancer is terminal. Nothing we can do for you against hope. You still feel like you can be healed. You still feel like you want to live. So you're going to start having to hope against hope. You're going to have to call your cancer cells dead and cause your normal cells to increase growing now. It's a miracle. So you're going to have to call yourself healed over and over and over again. Thank God that I am healed now. God, I thank you. This cancer is dead. I've cursed it and commanded to shrivel up and die. And I thank you that good cells are living in me every day. And do it consistently. Don't do it one time and then sit there with your mouth shut. Keep speaking to it to grow. It brings life. It waters the life of, of, of the word of God in you. Tend to your garden. Take care of that. If you want it bad enough, you'll keep speaking to it. And so God calls those things that be not as though they are. And when God pulls us into his realm of faith, we do the same thing. It's like he did with Abraham. When he started calling, Abraham went around and told all his his neighbors, God changed my name. Don't call me Abram anymore. Call me Abraham. And that was the name he answered to. Amen. So Abraham himself calls those things that be not as if you answer to that name, you calling it yourself. Amen. And so he began to answer to the name Abraham was another point of contact to remind him that God is going to give me a son who is going to fulfill that promise. And and so he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. That's what he was believing for. According to what was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith. He used to be, 
but he's not anymore. He's got now seven points of contact to strengthen his faith. That's how he's not weak in faith. It's by putting himself in remembrance. He's now living in God's realm. He's circumcised. He's got an altar where he worships God. He's got seven things that God has already told him. He's got that knowing inside of him, that nagging knowing that tells him God has got something better for him than what he has. He's not going to leave all his stuff to his servant, nor is he going to leave it to Ishmael, who God did not order. Amen. God can bless what you have, but if he didn't order it, he's not going to honor it the same way. Amen? And so you want God to honor what he does in your life, and the only way he can do that is if he authors it, he'll finish it. And so he says here, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. See, this is where we get jealous of Abraham. I know I did. I said, God, how do you do that? He finally showed me. Do what it says. Don't think about it. I said, how can you not think about your body, not consider it? You know how you consider your body? When something, when you feel a pain, you sit up and wonder where it came from. Huh? If you can quit wondering, you can win this. See? Trying to track it down. Where did that, I wonder what that means. I wonder if that's, then you go WebMD. See? Uh, you gotta stop yourself before you, way before you get online and start looking for stuff, you gotta stop yourself. Some people try to think for days what that is. You fighting it, you know, God, I'm healed. But I wonder, oh no, I'm healed. I wonder, don't quit fighting. Keep fighting it. Because you'll win. Because you have the faith of Abraham working in you. You don't have to sit up and wonder at every little thing that happens in the natural. Amen. What you need to do is say, God, make it better. i got a symptom here and I'm thanking you for making it better right now. Healing is mine now. Jesus took my pain and I can be pain free right now. I claim my pain free right now. And don't change now. See, Abraham quit considering he forgot about that servant that he thought was going to inherit all his stuff. After after God cut that blood covenant with him, that totally erased that possibility from his mind. Sometimes you win the war through battles of erasing possibilities from your mind. That's not possible. You know, sometimes if you're if say if you're in a, a business and, and the economy's bad. You know, you can be running around there nervous. Or you can start calling those things that be not as though they are and mean it. This is not going to happen to me. Bankruptcy is off the table. That is not an option. We're not losing everything. Why? My God is not bankrupt. If nobody else here has a successful business on earth, I will have one. Why? Because I'm an heir of everything in this world belongs to me, according to the Bible. God gave it to Abraham, and Jesus received it on our behalf. So there's no limit to what you can inherit from God. I don't care if it's spiritual. I don't care if it's material. Whatever your spiritual translate to, there's no limit on it. 
We're in an ever-increasing kingdom. This kingdom has no end. That means it has no limits. There's no minimum. There's no maximum. You're just in the kingdom. Amen. You declare your maximum. You declare your minimum. Huh? We did that for years in the, in the ministry. I remember when we told people in the ministry, God told me to tell you your minimum wage is $12 an hour and people were making eight and six and stuff like that. And then people started little by little to believe it pretty soon. Well, God said to raise it 15. We had 15 as a minimum almost 20 years ago, folks. Why? Because we obey God. It's not, it's not coming from me. I'm just here to tell you what God said. Amen. It's up to you to receive it. And so we, we, people started believing it and started demanding what God had for them. Amen. You don't live broke. Why? Because you can call those things that be not as though they are. He said he didn't consider his own body. Amen. <laughs> now dead. I'll consider that, God. You told me. I got seven points of contact to think on instead of thinking on how weak my body is. Amen. I have more things to think about than to consider that. I'll tell you the best way not to consider anything that's going to rob your faith is start considering what God's doing. Just replace it with what God's doing. Don't think about anything in the natural. Amen? Just think about what God's doing. And he says, he did not consider his own body, now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's how Isaac got here. By considering the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he had to not consider both of those. Amen. That's how God got into the position where he had to fight it. God could have turned turned Sarah on years ago. Why? Why didn't he? It wouldn't be good for us. Your faith would only work in the natural. So the reason he put everything off till they had nothing else but him. And his word is so that our faith would work. It's so that we could be recipients of that inheritance. So that you could believe for the impossible. So that when the doctors come in and say, we ran a test and you've got cancer and you don't have long, you can claim you have as long. Nope, I don't receive it with long life. He'll satisfy me. I'm not satisfied yet. See, you don't get satisfied with long life when you're too weak to get up off the bed anymore. You get satisfied when you're strong. So God's going to have to heal your body and bring you to strength before you can be satisfied. You're not satisfied with long life as a human vegetable. Just hanging on barely. That's not satisfactory. That's not how they live in heaven. Heaven's your home. You have every right to claim and expect what people act like, look like, talk like, everything like in heaven. And so God wants us to satisfy us with a long life that's worth living. And he says he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. You can stagger through great faith. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, just bring it on in here. You stagger a little bit. Be happy about it. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about saying, uh, can Ishmael live? That's staggering through unbelief. Remember that? 
God told Abram, you're going to have a, a baby with you and your wife, Sarah. He said, uh, well, can we take Ishmael? Why? He didn't want to have to believe God for hard. His head hurt from trying to believe God. See, that's why I got to tell you. If God was to bring you everything you had coming to you in one day, you would be a little nerve somewhere in a corner. You couldn't handle it. So he walked Abraham through, leaving behind the old life, leaving behind natural faith. He yanks him over into his faith with that blood covenant. Amen. So he pulls him over in here. He said, nope, you're not going to be ruled by the natural anymore. You're going to live supernaturally, Abraham. Walk before me and be be upright like a man. Be perfect. Be mature. Quit whining and looking at everything around you. Quit, quit being scared of Pharaoh and all them people. Quit pimping your wife. Stop. I'm your, I'm your shield. You stand behind me. Quit throwing your wife in front of you to protect you from men. Sissy, grow up. Time to be a man, Abraham. Pardon my French. Parlez-vous Francais. Come on, y'all. It's wimpy to, to be afraid to believe God for the supernatural. You can do it. Why? He's telling you you can. You believe him. You don't believe what you see. He says... He was fully, he said, this is where you want to get to. I like this one. The other parts of it, mm, up and down, but I like this. How do you get to fully persuaded? Points of contact to remind you of your faith. Refreshing yourself in the promises of God every day. Get up and read in the mirror and declare who you are, what you have. Now, I got it now. I got my faith receipt on the inside. It's growing in me now. It's getting stronger in me now. Amen? All of those things. You have to bring it into God's language. God's language is it's there now. God's language is it's available to you now. God's language is you have it now. God's language is, but what about? No, God's language does not include what about. I'm going to say it again. You know people, they you you try to pull people over into the realm of the spirit and they fight you. They want to stay over in the natural where all the problems are. But what about, what about, what? well you go on over there and live in what about if you want to. I'm living over here with God. Come over here when you want to change. It's the truth. You ever tried to encourage people with the word and they bite your head off? See, leading people over there. Pray for them. But they, that's the what about category. What about nothing? I don't have no pain. Huh? I don't. You call those things that be not as though. I am pain free in Jesus name. According to the blood of Jesus, he took my pains, carried my sorrows. They're gone. He was fully persuaded of what? That what God promised, God was able to perform. You gotta believe 100% is 100% God. He's not depending on you to do nothing but believe Him. Yeah, but you know, I was reading the book, quit reading it, go read your Bible. Read this till you believe this. This is gonna help you. I don't know what about somebody else you read. 
But I know the word of God will help you if it's believed. If you believe this and this alone, then you don't have to think about anything else to go along with it. Amen. Jesus didn't need anybody's help for his ministry, but him, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. They worked together, and he did everything he needed to do. Amen. You know, there's, you know, people think that you need doctors. You don't. You, if you want to go, help yourself. But my recommendation is don't lean on them because they are limited. Lean on God's word because he's all powerful. You've got a better covenant. You have better things to trust in. Trust in him. Amen. Believe in God. So, so these points of contact are very, very important for the release of our faith. How do we get there? How do we get from, uh, you know, point of contact for your faith to actually the manifestation of it? You get there through meditation. You can't sit up and think about every wicked, crooked, mean thing on the earth and get God's results. You cannot do it. You can't keep your mind full of what's in the news, what's on CNN, FNN, ABC, NBC, all the, you know, put away your alphabet soup of bad news. Amen. And go get, get your Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read that over and over again until it's real to you. Amen. Instead of meditating on nonsense, that's never going to happen if God has his way. You realize most of the things they predict on the news never happen. They just keep people entertained with it. And so God wants you to have a new entertainment. He wants to drag you over into his world. Even if you got to come kicking and screaming. Stay over and abide in his realm. Where there's righteousness, peace, joy. There's love. There's hope, encouragement, optimism. There's faith for the impossible. Well, you know, um, in my life, I don't have to believe God. Honey, you ain't lived it all yet. Keep living and see what you might. You might have to believe for a $50,000 overnight miracle. And you don't have nothing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You just don't know. So you might as well start walking with God on the little bit. And and trust me with this. If that's where your mind is, he ain't going to get you in no position where you need $50,000 overnight. Because you can't handle five you need till payday. He ain't going to shock you like that. Saints go back to the world. They start needing too much. I was doing better. I didn't have to tithe and I didn't have to give my money to the church. I could have so much more. Girl, bye. Let's keep going. I need you a little five dollars anyway. You know, we just moved on to better things already. Whatever. All right, I'm done. I know. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd like to end on a more delicate note, but I have no delicate notes in me, or not many. But anyway, fighting too many devils out here, folks. As soon as you leave here, the devil is there to rob you of something you just heard and was told yourself you was going to hold on to it this time. He'd have took it away from you before you hit the door almost. Lying devil. Praise God. Why don't we pray? Anybody need prayer? Come on up. I'll pray for you.